Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Check it out. everybody happy post nba trade deadline the for some teams christmas came in february others nothing happened in february it is what it is but welcome back to the latest episode of the ruler of the court podcast i am your host jason jones we talk about the sacramento kings talk about hip-hop and a lot of kings talk for you today because again as i record this is post nba trade deadline Big, big few days for the Sacramento Kings. Uh, Biggest move of all was uh, a couple of days ago when the Kings traded Tyrese Halliburton, Buddy Heald, and Tristan Thompson to Indiana in exchange for uh, former two-time All-Star DeMontis Sabonis, Justin Holliday, and Jeremy Lamb. Now, when this trade went down... Well, hold on. Let me recap the second trade uh, made... Then on Thursday, the Kings were part of a four-team deal that included Milwaukee, Clippers, and Detroit. And the Kings send Marvin Bagley to Detroit. They in return end up with uh, Josh Jackson and Trey Lyles from Detroit. And they get Dante DiVincenzo from Milwaukee. Uh, the Dante DiVincenzo journey to finally get to Sacramento was finally complete. And uh, as a consequence of that, to make room for these deals, the Kings had to waive their two 2020 uh, second-round draft picks, Jemias Ramsey and Robert Woodard. So that's the recap of all that went down with the Kings. Now, let's just go ahead and jump into this. Let's, I've done a couple of radio hits talking about this. And my first reaction was, oh, wow, they actually traded Tyrese. But the more I thought about it, the more it made sense. And let me explain to you why. Not because you don't like Tyrese. I think I don't know a person who doesn't like Tyrese Halliburton. Watching his press conference uh, from Indiana where he, he says, well, they didn't want me. I was like, oh, man, you know, you hate to see the kid, you know, hurting like that. But here's the deal. I don't think any of us believe or think or agree that a Tyrese Halliburton, De'Aaron Fox backcourt was going to work long term. I just I think uh, both players both need the ball too uh, too much to be effective, and I just did not see or see how that was going to work long term. The the thing I think a lot of folks would have said was we'll just trade De'Aaron. 
But of your three-point guards that you had on the roster, uh, De'Aaron, Tyrese, and Davion, De'Aaron is the hardest to trade because, remember, he's in the first year of a max deal. If you trade for De'Aaron, you're saying you're trading for him because you believe he is a cornerstone piece to your future. Whether he's your your number one, number two, whatever, number three player, whatever it is, you trade for De'Aaron in that case if you believe he's a cornerstone to your future. And clearly there wasn't a team or a taker out there that saw De'Aaron as that cornerstone piece. Secondly, you take that into account and... I know people will probably disagree with me, but no matter how you slice it, as the team was constructed, De'Aaron Fox is still their best player. I mean, people will argue with me and say, well, Tyrese was their best player. Well, maybe Tyrese was was their most promising. But at this, as of this day, as of February 10th, 2022, De'Aaron is the team's best player. Which means that essentially Tyrese is a point guard playing off the ball to get on the floor. But he's really De'Aaron's backup as a point guard. Then you take all that into consideration, and then you take this into account. For as good as Tyrese has been at times for the Kings, you wonder, what's his ceiling? And clearly the Kings probably must have either believed it or just because they couldn't move De'Aaron. You see De'Aaron having a higher ceiling long term. So you put all that together... Knowing you got three point guards, two you drafted in the last two drafts, you got to do something that makes sense. Or even if you don't believe this trade makes sense, you got to do something to break that up. So you enter in Indiana, which is clearly trying to, you know, you know, rebuild and start things over. And they had some pieces I think a lot of teams would have been interested in, namely their two bigs in Turner, Miles Turner and Sabonis. <laughs> If you're the king, Sabonis was the guy to get if you could. Sabonis gives them a bona fide, I think a, a bona fide number one option. So if you're of the belief, like a lot of us are, that De'Aaron may, can't necessarily be the best player on your team for your team to be great, now you got another guy on the team who you can run offense through, a guy who can create, a guy who can get some things done that you need. You also get a guy who can rebound. Kings have been woefully bad as a rebounding team for years, especially in the post of Marcus Cousins years. They haven't been a guy, had a guy who could go out there and get you 10, 15 rebounds a night. They've lacked that. They've lacked a big man who you could facilitate through, who's a good screen setter, who's a good passer. Sabonis is all of those things. I mean, watching him in his first game with the Kings, it was like watching a uh, younger, smaller version of his dad, Arvita Sabonis. And if you don't know anything about Arvita Sabonis, go look it up. You'll, you'll, you'll be glad you learned a little bit about, uh, about the Sabonis family in terms of basketball. So you take that into all those things into consideration. It, to me, you see why the Kings make the deal. Secondly, a part of this deal is the Kings are able to get off of the Buddy Heald contract. Which isn't, isn't a terrible deal, but... It's been clear for a while that Buddy is not a part of this team's long-term future. That he's not a guy they see as a, you know, a key part of the future of the franchise. So all that, all that considered, you get off of Buddy's contract, and by getting Lamb and Holiday in return, you get bigger in the backcourt on the, and on the wing. Something this team really needed to do. This team has been too small for too long. 
just a small line the, the line you want to play small ball but small ball again is not just about playing short shorter people it's about a style of play about playing fast spreading the floor and they were trying to do that while also just being very small a very small team in stature so when you look at the first game uh they start of the they start uh, holiday with De'Aaron. I can't remember the last time De'Aaron had a guard over six four that he started you know, or six five they started with him. They start you know uh, Tyrese. I guess it would have been the biggest guard he started with, but he's also and like I said in my opinion a point guard. So this is probably the biggest two guard. I would say maybe going back to the Garrett Temple days. It's been a minute. Either way, you got a guard back there with some size, a guy with some defensive inclinations. I think that's going to be I I intrigued by the possibilities with that. And Holiday's under contract for next season. And that helps. And Sabonis is under contract for two more seasons after this season. So you may be, you know, slowly creating a core of a team that you're going to like down the road. And then that so that then takes us to Thursday's deal, the four-team deal like I said. I'm not going to run down everybody else who all went everywhere. The, the main thing for the Kings is that Marvin Bagley III's time in Sacramento was over. It's not unfair to say that that's probably one of, this is pro- easily one of the more disappointing stints of a number two overall pick with his team, maybe ever. You know, I don't think that's an exaggeration. In part because who was drafted before Marvin and after DeAndre Ayton is the key, you know, probably a borderline All Star, but a key to a to one of the best teams in the NBA. Luka Doncic went three, Jaron Jackson at five, you know, at you know at four has become one of the best defensive bigs in the league. Trey Young at five is a multiple time All Star, and then you have Marvin who has been you know plagued with injuries. Inconsistency, out the rotation, then back in the rotation. You know, clearly didn't want to be in Sacramento this season. I don't think anyone thought he still wanted to be a king. And you say, and I've thought for at least a year, it was best if both sides went their separate ways. And just kind of, just go, like I said, go their separate ways, figure something out. This was the, uh, essentially... What's what the Kings gotten some or getting into bonus is what they wanted to get out of Marvin Bagley, which they didn't get. You know, some of that's due to injury. Some of that's I think due to you could say Marvin not essentially accepting his role and and not our understanding what the role was for him. And some of it's just circumstance. You know, the man who drafted Marvin is gone. A lot is gone. The whole front office except Ken Catanella that drafted Marvin is gone. And it's time to it's time to move on. Would I be surprised if Marvin looks better in a different situation? No, but you can't hold on to a guy with the fear of, well, what if he does well somewhere else? Not your problem, not your concern. It was clearly, clearly time to move on. And I'm interested to see what Marvin does in Detroit. That's clearly a young, rebuilding team. He should get plenty of minutes once he gets back on the court. Plenty of t- opportunities. And kind of see where, where Marvin's career goes from here. But, again, it's in terms of draft picks. You know, I'm not going to call him a bust. 
Because to me, that's just, you know, that's just not a nice term, but the situation was a flop. I could say that. The pairing of Marvin Bagley and the Kings was definitely a flop. Because if I think about Marvin's time, his best, his best stretch of play came as a rookie. And, yeah, that's just, a, that's just a flop. Especially when you think about what he what you expected from him and what you got. And now what I do want to talk about now that, you know, I'm not going to get into the guys they waived, you know. Ramsey and Woodard were, you know, basically G League guys for them. Never really made a contribution with the big club. Who knows, maybe they end up in Stockton. It's again, at some point, we'll see. But let's talk about what the Kings got back in that deal. Dante DiVincenzo, if you remember, he was the center of the first proposed sign-and-trade uh, involving Bogdan Bogdanovich in 2020, which, of course, led to uh, the, I don't say infamous, it's not like, you know, but, you know, it led to the whole tampering situation with Milwaukee, and the deal doesn't happen, and Bogey ends up in Atlanta, but the Kings finally get, you know, Dante. I think he'll I think he could be a a factor for them because with Terrence Davis still out, you need a guy off the bench, another guard. I think he's a guy, another guy who could probably give them if he's playing well, give you some scoring punch, give you a little more depth back there. Josh Jackson's intriguing because I remember back in twenty seventeen when the Kings drafted De'Aaron Fox. There was like some whispers that actually the guy that ownership wanted was Josh Jackson. And if you remember Josh Jackson at Kansas in college, you'd see why. He was just a remarkable player to watch at Kansas. But Josh won a pick ahead of them at four. And so the Kings took De'Aaron. That was a draft where there were five players considered the top five guys. And all the Kings had to do was sit at five and take the guy who came to them. And it ended up being, again, you know, De'Aaron. But you finally get Josh in the building. So maybe ownership is pleased with that. And I think I've liked what I've seen from Josh in the in, in uh, last couple of years. You know, he's kind of been humbled by the league, so to speak. Moved around a bit, all those type of things. Been on, you know, out, got out of Phoenix, ended up in Memphis, and then, you know, then Detroit. But I think the fact that he's a wing with some good length. You know, I think that's a something that you could uh, look for, uh, could help the team potentially. Just because outside of Harrison and then I guess Mo Harkless, this, you know, team doesn't have a lot of wing depth. And in this today's league, you got to have more than two wings. <laughs> two More than two guys were about that in that 6-8 range. So now you got a little more depth, maybe a little more defensive flexibility down the road. We shall see. Trey Lyles fits as a stretch four. Type of guy they really haven't had in a minute. Excuse me a second. Give me a little. <coughs> a little beverage. Uh, yeah. So you got. You, you add that to the mix. I think Lyles in terms of system. Is a fit for what the Kings want to do offensively. So. You know. So I think on paper. The Kings had a good trade deadline set up. So, I think that's something. Yeah, forgive me. All my computer's making noise. Uh, you know, but I don't really care about that right now. We're talking about the Kings, you know. And I just think overall, here's what I think about the Kings have done. They've improved their the size and their depth. I think they, uh, you know, potentially have gotten tougher, you know, uh, with, with these moves. 
and offensively, you got you've got a way better one-two punch than you had two three days ago. A, uh, I'll explain that in terms of the depth. I'll explain with the depth. If Rashawn Holmes is your backup center, I think that's a good thing for you in terms of depth. A lot of people run the league like Rashawn, but a lot of people don't see Rashawn as a starting center. They think if Rashawn is your starter, you're probably not a very good team. And as much as Rashawn gave on the court. It kind of bared out that with him as your starting center, they weren't that wasn't a good team. It wasn't Rashawn's fault, but it just means you you need it more, and you get that with Sabonis and bringing Rashawn off the bench to me is no that's that's not a bad thing at all. You can go Rashawn Mo Harkless, you know Rashawn Mo Harkless, potentially a Josh Jackson, Dante Divincenzo, Jeremy Lamb. I think you have to you know. I wish, you know, I wish we had uh, Terrence Davis healthy so we could see how that would go. But I think overall, you got to be happy with your depth. Your team is bigger, which is nothing they needed to do. And now we can go on and see what this team will do. You know, they got a chance to still get into that play-in game. You know, New Orleans made a deal, but you know they haven't proven they they, they haven't proven anything yet either. You know, the Lakers are at ninth, and God knows what the hell they're going to do. They didn't do anything at the deadline, so they may just implode. We might, They might be saying one, two, three, Cancun pretty soon. They look like a team that doesn't even care sometimes out there in the court. The Clippers are going to keep going because I don't think Ty Lue will have it any other way. Then you got Minnesota in the mix, you know, also in that for that in that 7-10 uh, to 10 range. So I think, the, you know, the Kings can make a push. I still wouldn't bet on them making the playoffs. But hey, maybe they'll prove me wrong. So we'll see. But enough of that. Before we transition off of the the, the wonderful world of the trade deadline, all that fun stuff, you know, we all know we all love to talk about that. Or maybe you don't. I know some people don't. You got a little message here from our good folks at DraftKings. And here we, you know, wait, 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 you know, you ever have a problem with your computer sometimes? You don't know why that the stuff won't pull up. Well, here we go. As I was saying, we have a message from the good folks at DraftKings. Uh, the moment we've been waiting for since September is finally here. In honor of the big game, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56, is giving new customers 56 to 1 odds on either team. That's right. Just bet $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. You get that? You got two teams playing, obviously. One from L.A., one from Cincinnati. So you know what to do. DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in New York, meaning you can bet from almost a third of the country. That's exciting. If Sportsbook isn't in your state yet, Play DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contest for Super Bowl 56. New customers can get a free shot at a $1 million top prize with their first deposit. So here's what you got to do. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, use promo code TBPN, and get 56 to 1 odds on either team. Just bet $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code TBPN at DraftKings Sportsbook. An official sports betting partner of the of Super Bowl 56. 21 and over minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for full list of requirements and state specific responsible gaming 
resources. Void where prohibited. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text the Tennessee Red Line, 1-800-888-9789. In Connecticut, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In New York, call 8778-H-O-P-E-N-Y or text H-O-P-E-N-Y. And that's 467-369. Now we're going back to the show. And we're back for the end of the show. Uh, my favorite part of the show sometimes when we talk about hip-hop. And Super Bowl is this weekend. And, you know, the team I've rolled through for the Raiders isn't there. So, yeah, bah humbug. But as a kid, I did, you know, like the Rams. As a kid, I had an NFC and an AFC team. And they were both in L.A. So, it was the Raiders and the Rams. That's neither here nor there. But... The highlight of this weekend's show is the halftime show. If you go to theathletic.com, myself and uh, my colleague, Rhiannon Walker, we wrote, gave you something to read about. We we put odds on which songs will be played (laughs) at halftime of the Super Bowl. You can check that out at theathletic.com in the culture vertical. But what I want to talk about, too, along those lines, one of the people performing is Snoop Dogg. And he recently uh, purchased... Now, can you basically gain ownership of Death Row Records? And it made me think about what are my favorite all-time Death Row songs. And I'm just going to give you five. I'm going to give you five of my what are my favorite all-time Death Row songs. So I'm going to start with number five. And I'm going to go kind of maybe some of them go deep. And to, to the catalog, I'm not gonna. They're all not gonna be some of your commercial or your radio video hits. I'm gonna go number five, Dog Pound. I don't have to dream about getting paid. That is to me. That's one of my favorite all time songs. I don't know why. Maybe because I can recognize the neighborhoods they're talking about. Maybe because it's about aspirations, reaching for better, trying to come up. I always have liked that song. You know, I've liked that song from that album, Dog Food, probably more than New York, New York, or I like it more than Let's Playhouse. I don't like to dream about getting paid is my song. Number four. Let's go to number four. Tupac, California Love, the remix. That's That version right there is so West Coast. That is this, uh, the West Coast. I just can't even get into it. It's how how West Coast that song is. Just the era, Tupac getting out of jail, coming out to California, recording a double CD, dropping this video. You had legends like the late Roger Troutman in the video, him and Dre doing the damn thing, you know. So that's my number four of my favorite Death Row songs. Number three. Let's go to Regulate, Nate Dogg and Warren G. It was on the Above the Rim soundtrack. And uh, when I was in high school, we said this was the Office of Lyman theme song. And so we all like the song, but it's a classic. It's a, it's a legendary song, LBC, uh, classic song. That's my jam. So that's where we are at number three. Number two, my number two. 
uh, Death Row song. Bum ba da bum bum. Snoop Doggy Dog ain't no fun. And of course, you know this song isn't exactly the. Uh, I, I it's just just you know fuckery. It's shenanigans on on the track. You know it's probably misogynistic. It's things you probably ain't supposed to say. But damn it, that song gets the party going. That song gets the party going, and I'm going to go ahead and give you a 2A. That's 2A, and 2B is the Shiznit from the same Doggy Style album by Snoop Doggy Dog. Love that song. That might be, to me, just in terms of flow and everything, that might be Snoop's best song ever is the Shiznit from Doggy Style. And number one, my number one all-time song from Death Row Records, nothing but a G thing. Pretty, pretty self-explanatory. Though even though they had dropped the cover before, then this is the song that really took Death Row, got it kicking, got it going, laid the sound, laid the groundwork for G Funk for real, off the Chronic, uh, yo Dre's uh, solo debut, one of the great all-time classic hip-hop albums, West Coast, not just a West Coast classic, a hip-hop classic, the Chronic. So those are my top five Death Row songs, and which ones will we hear at the Super Bowl halftime show? I don't know. We got Snoop, we got Dre, we got Mary J. Blige, we got Eminem, and we got Kendrick Lamar. So, should be an entertaining show. Can't wait to see it. And if you want to find me on Instagram, at Mr. At Mr. Jones LBC, at uh, Twitter, Mr. Underscore Jason Jones. And that's all I got for y'all this week. So y'all be good out there, you be safe. Again, this is Jason Jones of The Athletic. This is the Ruler of the Court podcast. Shout out to people from the Basketball Podcast Network for keeping this thing going. And I'm out. Yeah, like I said, have a good weekend. Enjoy what the Kings have done or not enjoy it. You know, if you miss miss Tyrese, I get it. But we'll see what it do. All right, y'all. Y'all be safe out there. I'm out. Gone.